I'm Nancy Olison. How's the family? Looks like we're consuming more goods for our households these days. Buying more stuff at superstores, stuff that we must have decided somewhere along the line that we need. And we get tired of these products faster than we used to, and we want new ones. The Sociology Department at the University of Minnesota is hosting a conversation on April 10th, featuring Juliet Shore, a sociologist who has studied our rapid increase in consumption. I talked with Juliet Shore by phone. I began by asking her what has changed in the way that we consume products for ourselves and for our homes. One of the things that's changed very dramatically in recent years is the quantity of items that people are consuming. Um, I call it the speed up of, of the fashion cycle, not just in fashion, although it's happening there, but in all kinds of products. I've been tracking in weight terms how much stuff Americans have been consuming over the period 1998 to 2006. That's the latest available data. And the increase in how much we're consuming is absolutely astounding. So, for example, in some categories like furniture, we've had a 100% increase in the amount of furniture we're consuming. Now, that's in weight terms. So, literally, a lot of it's coming in at the borders. It's getting weighed for uh, tariff purposes and so forth, and we're able to track that. We're seeing it in apparel, ceramics, glassware, sporting goods, um, consumer electronics. Even with the miniaturization of consumer electronics, the volumes that people are, are consuming have increased very dramatically over this period. Why is that? It's a combination of cheap prices for imports, uh, which are driven by technological advances, but also by the use of uh, so-called sweated labor, exploited labor in factories around the world, people getting you know, pennies an hour, um, the failure to pay the true environmental costs of these products. So we're, we're dumping carbon into the air and causing this terrible problem of climate change, global warming, um, and we're not, we're not accounting for those ec uh, ecological costs in in the prices. So, number one, uh, prices are very low, and that has led to a, a sort of social or cultural dynamic in which products have to be up to date. So that's fashionableness, and we know about it in apparel, the idea that there's a fashion cycle and something which is in fashion today may not be in fashion tomorrow, and people want to keep up with fashion, and fashions are changing more rapidly. My, but we also want to keep our couches up to date? Yes, Fashionable? we do. We do. <laughs> so, and, and it's now made possible by stores like Ikea, uh, which will sell us cheap furniture, um, which people we may think about only having for a short period of time because it's so cheap we can put it out on the curb and go out and buy a new living room set. Or as we move from apartment to apartment, decide we're not even going to bother taking the stuff with us and we'll get new. Um, we want new glassware and ceramics, and it's cheap enough that we can go to Target and, and purchase it. We get just get sick of that pattern that we have. So... 
there is a speed up of acquiring products and then discarding them and and the um, the fashionableness of items is moving out from the small set of commodities which really were fashion items like clothing, footwear, and so forth to a much wider range of commodities. Mm -hmm. Our cell phones, our computers, now computers are aesthetic objects as well as just utilitarian objects. People like certain computers because they look cool. And when they see them, they want to buy that new style of computer. Um, Apple, of course, has been at the forefront of turning the computer into an aesthetic object as well as just a, a practical tool. And and there is the need to update it. Is that correct? Because technology is changing so quickly. Yes. And so for some of these products, the more technological products, that also plays into it and speeds up the fashion cycle even more. So there's both a practical and a symbolic or a cultural dimension to this speed up of the fashion cycle in in our consumer pattern. At the same time, American families are saving less money. Why is that? The decline of savings is complicated. It has to do partly with changes in the income distribution. We have large numbers of people who are earning both in absolute terms less and also in relative terms less. So the very top of the income distribution has gained relative to everybody else since 2000, and the top 20% has gained over a longer period relative to everyone else. And that has had an impact on the ability of many American families to save combined with the fact that they're facing rising prices in a variety of services such as education, child care, health care, and other services at the same time that you've had this very big decline in prices for manufactured goods. So it is a paradox. On the one hand, we're, we're acquiring manufactured goods like there's no tomorrow and yet unable to save and I think part of it has to do with the fact that things like televisions and cell phones have become so cheap that it, it almost doesn't, you know, a lot of cell phones add up uh, before you can really make a dent into a serious household savings. Hmm. Can you tell me about the financial tightrope that you see households walking on? We've got now increasingly precarious economy which means that people's jobs are more precarious. And, of course, we've had a long-term shift toward instability in the economy, on the labor side of the economy, so that people are uh, faced with the prospect of downsizing and insecure employment and so forth. That's a financial tightrope. At the same time, the requirement, the income requirements for keeping up with a middle-class standard of living or even an upper-middle-class standard of living have gone up a lot. There are two dimensions to the escalation of spending norms for the middle and upper-middle class. Uh, on the one hand, there's the fact that our aspirations have risen very dramatically. and uh, what, what we want. What we, what want, we want, particularly is... relative to incomes. So the gap, what I call the aspiration gap between what people want and what they can afford has opened up. And is the reason we want more because we see more, because more is available? What we want is socially driven. And the processes which are driving aspiration 
so lifestyle norms, are increasingly being set at the top of the income distribution. And also in the media, they're being set by a celebrity culture and a culture that um, idolizes wealth. So on TV, we're watching people who can afford a lot more than us enjoy it, and we want it. Exactly. And because media has become so important in people's daily lives, uh, increasingly people see uh, the celebrities that they like or wealthy people, uh, fictional families on television who live in snazzy houses and drive expensive SUVs, those are those are the consumer styles that people are uh, exposed to uh, on a daily basis and in a very powerful way uh, from early childhood. Mm. And so although what our friends do still still matters and what people in our neighborhood and our workplace have still matters, and those people will have things that are more like what the average person has, the the proliferation of upscale lifestyles, both of the upper middle class and the truly wealthy, has has had a big impact on aspirations for people across the income distribution. So it's not just keeping up with the Joneses; it's trying to keep up with. Uh, well, when Brad, I wrote about Brad it, I said and... I said keeping up with. We've gone from keeping up with the Joneses to keeping up with the Gateses. Now, that's a hyperbole, of course, but the point is the very wealthy have become visible and they've become emulative targets, as we say in the social science business. Let's talk a little bit about green. I, you know, green is very cool right now, and being environmentally conscious is important to a lot of consumers, and it's important to a lot of businesses to represent and 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 give us. Uh, we're we're getting more green as we go. Do you think we'll start consuming less as green continues to to catch on? We have to start consuming less if we want to be green we're starting to see the beginnings of this realization. The first stage of, hey, let's go green, um, was mostly about different products. So let's buy a hybrid instead of a regular uh, organic food instead of chemical agriculture and so forth. And those are absolutely vital shifts to make. But unless we get a handle on the fact that the amount of stuff that we're consuming is exploding, but unless we get a handle on the the scale of our consumption, there is no way we can live sustainably. The average American lifestyle is now five times the sustainable lifestyle in terms of its total ecological footprint. And Um, how much has that changed in the last 10 years? That has increased a bit in the last 10 years. But actually, we're still people are still working on those data, and they haven't incorporated yet the the big trends, that big upward trend that I'm that I'm talking about. But our footprint has been rising, um, and the United States became the country with the highest ecological footprint in the world uh, fairly recently. So, what do you want families to know about the way that they're consuming? We need to pay attention to how the product is manufactured, where it's coming from, and what the eco-impacts of using it are. Now, with some things, those are more obvious than others. 
eco impacts? The ecological impact, with what the ecological impacts of using the product are. So there's the, the purchase of the product, what went into making it. With a vehicle, we recognize there's both the e ecological impacts of, of the metal, the steel that went into it, and the plastics and the fabrics that went into, or into the seats, or increasingly leather, which is a very toxic process to make leather. But people also, I think that's the part with a car that people don't think about. The part they think about is driving the car and the, the, um, the use of fossil fuels and the carbon and the pollution associated with driving the car. With every product, we've got to think about both those things, both how it was made and what happens as it's used. Now, in some cases, the use itself won't generate more ecological impact, and in others it will. Uh, there's also its disposal. Are there toxic metals in that that are going to be a problem when we... What you buy and how much of it do you purchase? Mm -hmm. And how quickly are you turning over your computer, your cell phone, your wardrobe, your dishware, your jewelry, and, and so forth? Um, and if you're like an average American, you're turning those things over much more quickly. And if you want to become a sustainable consumer, you need to slow down that cycle of acquisition and discard, that fashion cycle. And potentially use recycled goods also. Absolutely. And one of the things, you know, the sort of the silver lining in the consumer binge of the last, you know, decade or so that I've been talking about is that we now have a lot of very, very usable items available to recirculate. And so we have seen new mechanisms for doing this, things like eBay and Craigslist and FreeCycle, all of which are online ways of of moving used items around the population so that we don't have to put them in the landfill. But we need to see a lot more of this. We need a new retail kind of movement uh, that has a bricks and mortar dimension as well. And we need to think seriously about a long-term solution for moving goods around from person to person as long as they are still uh, usable. One way of thinking about what's happened and, and the, is that the social life of a thing has gotten very short. That is, its fashionability is very short. But it, the useful life of many of our items uh continues to be quite long so that people don't want them long before they're no longer usable. And we got to close that gap. Have you noticed that you're consuming more in your household? Do lower prices on products like furniture and ceramics make you feel like you can buy these items more often? Are you thinking about being green? I'd love to hear from you. You can find a link to the resources for Juliet Shore's talk at the University of Minnesota and to her most recent article in the Boston Review on NPR's All Things Considered page from Wednesday, April 9th. How's the family? I'm Nancy Olison.